What's up, y'all? I'm your host, Sheree, and welcome to At the End of the Day podcast. This is the last episode of the season. Time has moved extremely fast. I want to start by saying thank you to each person that took out time to listen every Monday. I also want to thank every person that shared my episodes with someone. I appreciate each of you and your support means more to me than I could ever explain. Next season will launch September 18th, so make sure you put that on your calendar and set an alarm on your phone, okay? Now let's get into this episode. The title of this episode comes from my personal relationship with God. A few weeks ago, I was watching The Potter's House online. Bishop T.D. Jakes had a guest speaker. In the beginning of his sermon, he kept repeating, same God. As he repeated those words, I kept crying. The following week, Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts preached, and she said the phrase, same God, a couple of times, and there I was, crying again. It's only two words, but put together, it is a powerful message. I realized that I was crying because that phrase, same God, caused me to reflect on how good God has been to me. I'm actually hoping I don't cry saying it to (laughs) y'all. But before we get started, I want to get our minds ready, so I have two questions I want you to think about throughout the episode. The first question is, when you hear me say same God, how does it make you feel? The second question is, what does the phrase same God mean to you? Now, if you had an answer already, that's great. If you didn't have an answer, that's great too. I hope that by the end of this episode, you will either expand your answer that you already had or finally be able to have an answer. As I mentioned before, my best friend and I have set a goal to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I'm so glad we decided to do this because I have learned so much about God, and I'm only at the end of Exodus. On this episode, I will talk about God's references, because we know he has them. I will also share some of the key things I learned that has truly enhanced my feelings and views about the phrase, same God. Let's dig into it. So the Bible was written over 3,500 years ago. I think we can all agree that a lot has happened and changed in 3,500 years. Before I started to read the Bible for myself, I was guilty of feeling like God had changed some of his expectations for us due to times being different. Now that I'm reading the Bible for myself, I realize that the same God I'm reading about from 3,500 years ago is the same God that allows me to see a new day. I also realized that his expectations of us hasn't changed, and there are certain things he still requires of us. I'm going to share five things I've learned so far. The first thing I've learned is about the sacrifice at the altar. Every time someone went to the altar in the Bible, they were expected to bring a sacrifice. Even in Genesis, when Abraham took Isaac to the top of the mountain, Isaac asked his father where the sacrifice was. Sometimes the sacrifice was a lamb. I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but in 2023, have you gone to church and watched someone bring a lamb to the altar? I'm 99.99% sure you haven't. (laughs) With that being said, I started to think that maybe the secrecy of the altar changed over the years since we do not bring God a physical sacrifice at the altar anymore. But I was wrong. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to, other than my own, of course. (laughs) is the Dear Future Wifey podcast by Lateris R. Whitfield. He had an episode that made a light bulb go off in my mind. 
Letters did an episode with David Burris. The title of the episode was Being a Husband is Unfair. There was a part in the episode where David talked about marriage and how the ceremony of marriage is more of a funeral than a celebration. Sounds crazy to say, but stay with me for a second. He was explaining that when two people are getting married at the altar, they are supposed to die at the altar as individuals. He said they are bringing themselves as individuals to the altar as the sacrifice, but they are leaving the altar as one with their spouse. Now, that was when the light bulb went off for me. I started to think about altar calls at church. When I was growing up, I was taught that you go up to the altar for prayer and if the sermon resonated with you. Nobody talked about a sacrifice. So then I realized that we are supposed to go to the altar during altar calls and the thing we are carrying should be the sacrifice. In other words, lay your burdens at the altar. We have to be more intentional about going to the altar. Going up for prayer is great, but start to ask yourself, what is your sacrifice? The altar is still sacred. Therefore, God still requires a sacrifice. The second thing I've learned so far is that what God has for me is for me. This is one of those Christian sayings that sounds good, but we never dig into it. For me, it's one of the positive sayings you say to someone to encourage them. But I have become numb to it because honestly, I have heard it so many times. I was in a point in my life where I questioned what that statement truly meant. Recently, I read Genesis chapter 12, and it became more clear as to what that phrase means. In Genesis 12, the Lord tells Abraham to leave his country, his people, and his father's household to go to the land God shows him. Abraham followed God's instructions. Abraham arrives in the land of Canaan with his wife and nephew. During that time, the Canaanites were in the land. God appeared to Abraham and promised to give his offspring the land. This part of Genesis blessed me when I read it because God is promising Abraham that his offspring will have land that is already occupied by other people. In other words, don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about who got there first. Don't worry about who owns it now. What God has for you is for you. God is always on time. He already knows what is for you. You only need to have faith. The third thing I've learned so far is that my confusion is not God's problem. We always hear that God is not a God of confusion. In the Christian community, that statement translates to the fact that if God said it, then you won't feel confusion. I used to use my feeling of confusion as a gauge to determine if what I was experiencing was from God or not. I realized that that was wrong of me to do. We know that God means what he says. But the thing that doesn't get talked about is the fact that God could tell you something and you could still feel confusion. And just because you feel confusion doesn't mean it isn't God. God doesn't invite confusion into our minds or situations. Our doubt about what he is saying creates confusion. Our lack of patience creates confusion. Let me give you an example of what I mean. The Lord sends Moses back to Egypt to free the Israelites. At this point, the Israelites had been enslaved for 400 years. The Lord was giving Moses specific instructions when it came to Pharaoh. He told him what to say and what to do. He also told Moses that even though each plague was going to happen, Pharaoh's heart was going to be hardened. In the first five plagues, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, just as God told him it would be. 
The Bible doesn't say Moses was confused, but I know I would have been confused because I felt confusion when I read it. (laughs) Moses was doing what God commanded him to do, and Pharaoh's heart was not budging. In the next five plagues, this time God is the one that hardens Pharaoh's heart. That's even more confusing to me because God could literally stop it at any time. Now, I just want to say that Moses was a real one because I definitely would have had questions. Because we are talking about God. He could literally do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So if he wanted to soften Pharaoh's heart, he could, but for some reason he didn't. While I was reading, that forced me to dig into why he would allow Moses and Aaron to go back and forth to Pharaoh just for his heart to continue to be hardened. When God approached Moses about going back to Egypt, Moses talked about how his speech wasn't that great. And he even asked if God could send someone else. That means that Moses had a small feeling of intimidation about what God was calling him to do. When I was reading about the plagues, I noticed that with the first three plagues, God told Moses to tell Aaron what to do with the staff. The next two plagues, the Lord started those plagues himself. By the time we get to the sixth plague, Moses and Aaron started the plague together. Then we get to the seventh, eighth, and ninth plague, where Moses starts the plague himself. And we end with God starting the tenth plague by himself. Why am I sharing this quick Bible study with you? I'm sharing this with you because the entire situation was bigger than Pharaoh the entire time. God was helping Moses to go from intimidation to confidence in being the man God called him to be. We watched him go from wanting help to be able to stand on his own. What I'm saying is we can't allow how we feel or what we see to change or negate how powerful God's words are. Just because things look confusing doesn't mean that his words are a lie. Things look confusing because we made them that way. We have to focus on the fact that God said it, rest on that, and have faith. Because we know that he isn't a liar. If things start to look contrary to what he said, just know that he has a bigger plan. If God would have softened Pharaoh's heart after the first plague, Moses wouldn't have experienced the spiritual growth like he did after the sixth plague. And the same goes for you. God may have told you he is going to do something specific in your life. If he goes and does it the next day after the first prayer, you will be thankful and move on. But sometimes God wants more than a thank you. Sometimes he wants us to grow in an area we aren't even aware we're deficient in. And sometimes we have to grow in the area to receive the blessing God promised us. So the next time God gives you confirmation, and you start to feel confused, don't question God's credibility. Instead, accept that the confusion is coming from you and not God. Accept that the confusion is representative of your doubt. Once you accept that and work towards fixing it, you are one step closer to the growth that God desires for you. The fourth thing I've learned so far is that God is very intentional and specific. We are always told to make our requests known when we pray. We are also taught to be very specific with our prayers. I always figured that was something we are supposed to do. It wasn't until I read Exodus chapter 25 that I realized that God is very specific as well. In that chapter, God is talking to Moses about the furniture he wants in the tabernacle. One of the furniture pieces was a table. God gave Moses very 
specific details about what he wanted for the table. God told him the type of wood he wanted for the table, the width and height of the table, the color of the table, and so many other details. This chapter encouraged me and it continues to encourage me because it made me realize that if God was that specific about a table, he has to be just as specific about the life and plans he has for me. He wanted the best of the best for the tabernacle. Please know that he wants the best of the best when it comes to his children. Now, whenever I become worried about what God is doing and if I question whether he cares or not, I reference Exodus chapter 25. It just reminds me how intentional and specific God is. The fifth thing I've learned so far is not to be discouraged by time. For people, there tends to be a love-hate relationship with time. Either it's on your side or you despise it. Most times when we despise it, it's because we feel like the more time passes, the more something specific in our life isn't going to happen. Now, I completely understand that feeling, but the truth is God wastes nothing, not even time. If he has you waiting, there's a reason. I will give you an example. We're going to go back to Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 12, God says that he is going to give the land of Canaan to Abraham's offspring. During the time of the promise, Abraham and Sarah do not have children. In Genesis 13 and 15, God repeats the same promise again. Meanwhile, Abraham and Sarah are getting older and they still don't have children. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 16, 10 years had passed since the first time God promised them children. And still, Abraham and Sarah are getting older and older while still not having children. When you get to Genesis chapter 17, 23 years had passed since the first time God promised them children in Genesis 12. God goes and repeats the promise again. This time, Abraham is laughing because he was almost 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Abraham has another son named Ishmael at this point. So he starts to ask God if that is the son he was talking about. God lets him know that he said what he said. He even goes on to tell him that the son he blesses Sarah and Abraham with will be named Isaac. When we get to Genesis 21, Sarah conceived and gave birth to Isaac. Yes, the years were going by, but God's promise never changed. Don't let age discourage you. Just because you're 19 years old doesn't mean God can't use you. Just because you're 75 years old doesn't mean God can't use you. Don't let time discourage you. God is well aware of the time. He is also well aware of how long you've been waiting. Just because you've had to wait longer than you plan to doesn't mean it will never happen. You never know what God will do. So make sure you live in the present because the same way God can have you wait to make something happen, he can also change your entire situation tomorrow. Now, guess what, y'all? It's Q&S time. For those of you listening for the first time, Q&S stands for quote in scripture. This is the time that I share a quote in scripture to encourage you for the week ahead. The quote I chose this week is from an anonymous person and it says, Different day, same God. Yes, it's short, but it's also straight to the point. The next time you're wondering if God is with you, think about how many times he showed up for you before. The next time you question what he can do in your life, Open the Bible and read his references. The Lord is very credible, 
but we tend to treat him like he isn't. It doesn't matter that you have to trust him today in a way you've never had to trust him before. It also doesn't matter that it's 2023. God is the same God that you trusted with everything else. God is also the same God that blessed you in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s. We have to give him more credit. So instead of becoming overwhelmed with worry, remember who God is and put some respect on his name. The scripture I chose for this week is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it reads, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. I love this because it's saying that it doesn't matter that there are more than a billion things we need God to do. God can multitask. He can heal those that are sick. He can bless those who are struggling with finances. He could also mend broken marriages. And that's just about 0.1% of all that God can do. Even though we need different things from God at different times in different ways, all of us are praying to the same God. The same God that can heal your sickness is the same God that can bless you. The same God you read about in the Bible is the same God that allows you to see another day. That's how amazing he is. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, make sure you hit that follow button and leave a review. I would love to read your feedback. I'm on TikTok now, so you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok under the name A-T-E-O-T-D Podcast. Next season, I would really love to discuss topics that interest you. So please feel free to send me an email to A-T-E-O-T-D Podcast 8 at gmail.com. You can also send me an email if you have something you need advice about or just something you want to share. If you know someone that needs encouragement, make sure you share this with them. Now, before we go our separate ways for a few weeks, I want you to remember something. No matter what life looks like right now, no matter how long you've been waiting, and no matter what you need God to do in your life, just remember who God is. Make sure you lean on him no matter what you're going through. Also remember that he is always in control, even though it may look and feel like he isn't. The next time you go to the altar, make sure you sacrifice your burdens. The next time you feel forgotten about because it feels like everyone else is being blessed but you, remember that what God has for you is for you. He knows about all of your heart's desires. The next time you feel confused, don't blame God or begin to question him. Instead, look at yourself. Find a way to release your doubt and work on trusting God in spite of what it looks like. The next time you feel discouraged by time or your age, remember that God is very specific and intentional. He doesn't want to just give you anything. He wants to bless you with the best. So while you're waiting, don't settle. God is truly incredible. He has seen more than we'll ever see. We haven't been around for the last 3,500 years but God has. He has been in the miracle and blessing business for the last 3,500 years. As years go by, things continue to change, but don't be discouraged by what it looks like because at the end of the day, he is the same God.